Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. It's a Tuesday, 10-12 our time, the 12th of December 2023. Another radio professional in the building reminded me that this is National Soundcheck Day. One, two, one, two. I don't make them up, all right? I, whoever does is a lot smarter than I am. Anyway, Bruce Siski Show, good to have you along. Thank you, Dave, for helping out the last few days as I have been in absentia. Uh, good trip to Ohio with the hockey team. Good to see some good things happen. Five or six points this past weekend, and hopefully uh, everyone feeling good going into the holiday break. And we'll have head coach Scott Sandlin with us tomorrow to discuss the midseason. And uh, we'll have an update on Will Francis uh, hopefully tomorrow. It uh, looks like uh, some good news there. Matt Wellens, LuthNewsTribune.com this morning has a story I would suggest going to read. It certainly offers up uh, some optimistic news on Will, who missed the first half of the season after a recurrence of cancer that happened late in the summer. So uh, hopefully things trending in the right direction for Will and for the Bulldogs in general as we get ready for the second half to begin two weeks from thursday december 28th will be the date in milwaukee at pfizer forum home of the bucks it's the quick trip holiday face-off umd versus northeastern december 28th at 3 30 for the pregame show here on kdal uh forest car umd athletic director will be joining us in studio in about uh, 20 ish 25 somewhere in our minutes uh, from right now, we'll talk Bulldog sports going into the holidays. Uh, men's and women's hockey on their holiday breaks. Uh, men's and women's basketball have games this week, Thursday at Concordia, and then Saturday at home with Winona State. And then they go on break. And, yeah, then we get everybody back in January and get her all cranked up uh, once again, or in the case of the men's hockey team, late December, and get her all cranked up once again disappointing game last night for Packers fans and and I I, I know I've been around I kind of saw this coming not any premonition about the Giants or, or the DeVito kid it's just more of a general you see this sometimes you get a young team that plays well and the Packers played well and they get a couple big wins the Packers certainly did that and they earned those wins I thought they played really well against the Lions, and they played really well against the Chiefs. They earned what they got in those two games. And you get a team that maybe starts swimming a little bit over their fight, punching above their weight class, maybe the best way to say the best analogy I can come up with. I don't think the Packers are as good as they've looked the last couple of games, and I don't think they're as bad as they looked last night. But this is what happens with young teams. Remember, they were 2-5, and five, and it came from an inability to win close games, an inability to jump on teams early that they should be able to beat, and by the time that they got things going, it was too late. And the Lions, the first Lions game notwithstanding, because the Lions came in and blew the Packers' doors off, but the Atlanta game, they had a chance to start fast. They didn't do it. 
And yes, they built a lead, but the offense bogged down and the defense was worse. And Atlanta found a way to come back and win. Okay, it's week two of the young team. It's going to happen. You just have to live with that. Again, the Lions game was whatever. But those Raiders and Broncos losses, and I know the Broncos have been playing a lot better football. I mean, no disrespect to the Broncos. Those were winnable games for Green Bay. And for whatever reason, the the offense was so bad against the Raiders that it, it actually wasted a pretty good defensive performance. And then the Broncos game, where the defense was terrible early, they got behind... And yeah, the offense started to pick things up, but they never they were never on good footing. And Denver found a way to win that game. Those to me are the, the two most damning losses of the year until last night. The Giants the DeVito story is a really cool one because he's from New Jersey, right? That it's really cool that he is able to do this with the New York Giants. And you just don't see that. I mentioned this down the hall, I think, this morning. Like, you just don't see this a lot in professional sports. Yes, there's the occasional Minnesota guy on the wild, Brock Faber right now, who's going to be such a good player. And that's awesome. Those are great stories. But you don't see that. You know, there's there's not a lot of Vegas guys playing for the Vegas Golden Knights. There's, I think Jason Zucker is still the only one in the NHL. And so you just don't see this. It's cool. I, I'm, I'm happy to see a, a New Jersey guy having some success with the Giants. It's, it's neat. That said, this is a bad football team. And the Packers played down to their level. The Giants ran 55 offensive plays last night. That's it. That's not very many. Packers ran 66, which isn't a ton either, but it's the way the game was played. It's weird. So what do the Packers do? They concede over 200 yards rushing, including 71 to DeVito, who had like 80 rushing yards combined in his appearances up to the point of last night's game. Saquon Barkley goes for 86. 34 that came on one run. I actually thought they did a pretty good job on Barkley. But, again, it's it's that whole adage of if you keep running the ball on the Packers, you're eventually going to break one. And the Giants broke a couple of big plays running the football. Because if you keep running the ball on these guys, they'll cave. That's the reputation of the Packers' defense. DeVito went 17-21 for 158 and a touchdown. That is pedestrian. But it was enough to win last night because he didn't turn the ball over. Jordan Love turned the ball over twice. The Packers actually got some decent contributions out of the running game, but again, didn't stick with it. In a game that they never trailed by more than one score, the Packers only attempted 25 rushes last night on a windy night. They only ran the ball 25 times out of 66 offensive plays. That's not good enough. You know, I didn't think Matt LaFleur called a good game. I don't think Jordan Love played a good game. I don't think really anybody around him played well. And I mentioned this last week on this show. I, I said, or maybe it was the week before. But I said, you know, you can look at at the arc of Jordan Love's season. 
and yes, he has played a lot better, and he deserves credit. He is he's stuck with this. He started to sling the ball with some a little more confidence, as opposed to aiming his passes, which I thought he was doing in the first part of the year, and that's why everything was so badly underthrown in a lot of cases. I I think that right now you have to look back and you have to give this offensive line a lot of credit for how Love has played. As his protection improved, he improved. And again, he yes, he has put the work in. I'm not trying to to say that this isn't you know anything Jordan Love did, but the offensive line allowed him opportunities to get better, and Jordan Love took advantage of those. And they operated in in a degree of rhythm, in, in, you know that that was good. Last night it was gone. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, mixed up the pressures. He mixed up who's rushing. The Packers never got a good feel for it. And he basically ate Matt LaFleur's lunch, just like he did last year in London. Same thing. Once they figured out what the Packers were trying to do, they stopped them. In this case, unlike last year in London, where the Packers built that big lead and then the offense took a powder and eventually the the Giants came back and won the game. Unlike that game, this time around, the Packers settled in a little bit of a rhythm offensively in the second half, certainly more so than they they did at any point in the first half. The problem was, so did the Giants' offense. They figured some things out as well, and Joe Barry, who's gotten a lot of credit the last couple of weeks – Devising a defense that did enough against the Lions to win that game after the offense started as fast as it did, to get the stops they got the week that last week game, the Sunday night game with Kansas City. Okay, that's fine. Give 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 the man his flowers. He he did the job. Last night didn't do the job. They didn't pressure Devito. He was hit I think twice on throws the whole game, and. They never came close to making a big-time, impactful play defensively. The, the play that they got, the Barkley fumble, the, the Packers had nothing to do with that. Barkley fell down. He got tackled by the turf. And because he was untouched by a Green Bay defender, when he coughed up the ball when he hit the ground, that counts as a fumble. It's the old misnomer of the ground can't cause a fumble. The ground can cause a fumble. In the NFL, you just can't be touched by a defender first. In that case, he wasn't. It's a fumble. Packers picked it up, took off running, and got the offensive position to score those points at the end of the game. But, again, it's just... <laughs> it's just infuriating sometimes. To, to watch these but but it's these are the pitfalls trust me i i'm seeing it all the time all over the place these are the pitfalls of young teams we said it going into the year andy herman pack a day podcast we previewed the season they're gonna have good days they're gonna have bad days well they just had three really good days in a row and they had a bad day what are you gonna do it doesn't change any of the things that were said and Andy's done a great job on his podcast. We're, I think we, we're going to try to get him on maybe next week here or last week of the year. We'll be on the year live and kind of break down some of the stuff. But, you know, the GM, the, the management team, they deserve some credit. But 
you are going to see the occasional pitfalls because they went young on purpose. They wanted this group to grow together. They didn't want to bring veteran players in at, for example, wide receiver. Guys that would take snaps away from Jaden Reed and Malik Heath and Dontavian Wicks and, and these young receivers that they think have a lot of ability and a lot of promise. They didn't want those guys sitting behind veteran receivers. Just, you know, kind of like Watson and Dobbs did last year, sitting behind Sammy Watkins for a good chunk of the year. They didn't want that this time around. And, and that's fine. And for the most part, I think the returns have been good. But you're going to have games like last night where it feels like the entire team showed up to the game drunk. It's going to happen. And you hope they got it out of the way. Sometimes you can find ways to win those games. I thought against the Rams, it was very similar. And the defense kept playing well. The offense got going in the second half. Jordan Love had a great second half, and they, they won that game going away. But you're going to have days where you can't get out of your own way. And when you do, it's pretty much too late. And that's what last night was. And hopefully they can, they can rebound, they can learn, and all that bit, and get better as a result. Uh, Vikings, <laughs> I said, Joe, last night was Vikings Raiders with points. It was just as bad, but they were they were actually going down the field and scoring points. Uh, three nothing win over the Raiders. You know it's bad when your your professional hockey team wins the on the same day by the same score, and you're a football team. That's that's probably not a great thing, but they won. That that's that's what matters most. Of course, now the challenge is they play on Saturday. So, so do the Timberwolves. So the uh, the Vikings have to beat the Bengals like ninety nine to ninety three or something. So the Wolves can, can win a game by the same score. That'd be hilarious if that happened. Anyway, uh, Justin Jefferson was injured in that game. Sounds like uh, he has avoided a serious injury, which is great news for the Vikings. Uh, Kevin O'Connell indicating yesterday that Jefferson does have a chance to play. Short turnaround for the Vikings. They play Saturday. Uh, the NFL's now got some Saturday games the rest of the season, and one of those, the first of those actually is Saturday at noon, Vikings at Cincinnati. A couple of seven, seven and six teams that don't have the quarterback we expected them to have when the matchup was set. You know, when the schedule came out in April, this looked like uh, Kirk Cousins versus Joe Burrow, and oh my goodness, this is a great quarterback matchup. This, this has a chance to get flexed to Sunday night football towards the end of the year. This is a big-time game. And it's on Saturday afternoon on the NFL Network because instead it's going to likely be Nick Mullins versus Jake Browning. Yeah, the current Viking versus the former Viking. Remember, Jake Browning's had a couple of cups of coffee with the Vikings here the last couple of years, but is now the Bengals starter thanks to Joe Burrow's season-ending injury. I would expect that Nick Mullins starts in place of Joshua Dobbs thanks to Kirk Cousins, of course, his season-ending injury in that game on Saturday. The Vikings will probably, just like last week, announce a starting quarterback tomorrow because, as I said last week, uh, the Vikings traditionally have the starting quarterback talk to the media on Wednesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday, so my presumption is if we don't know before, then we'll know tomorrow who is going to start for the Vikings against the Bengals on Sunday. Uh, you can check all of our scores from last night, kdal610.com. You'll want to hit there tomorrow morning because we're going to have a ton of games tonight. Uh, they're being played locally. We'll run through all those scores for you in the morning. Uh, Timberwolves, six-game winning streak snapped last night by New Orleans. Again, you're not going to win every game you play. And the Wolves have, have played really well here. They didn't play great last night. New Orleans is a good team, and New Orleans was the healthier team last night. That likely plays a role as well. Wolves off to a Thursday game at Dallas, but they still sit 
at 17 and 5 with the best record in the NBA, half a game up on the Boston Celtics. Are we going to be able to get Alan Horton on here before we are off for holiday break next week? Let's take a look. I think I want to say that they are we might be able to get something done next week. We'll see if we can get them on Tuesday between a couple of games out east next week. So we'll see. But uh, we'll try to get Alan Horton Timberwolves Radio Network on before we go on sabbatical for the holidays. I'm here just uh, to scheduling standpoint that whole bit. I am here through the rest of the week. I'm here through next Thursday. And then uh, we'll be off for the holidays that week between Christmas and New Year's and heading to Milwaukee for the quick trip holiday face-off. 1028, UMV Athletic Director Forrest Carr in a few minutes. Bruce Siski Show, 610 and 103.9 KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk University of Minnesota basketball after this. How much can you save when you shop Cub? Let's just say you might need a bigger cart. We've lowered prices, so you save more. On Essential Every Day, it's easy to see the savings. Across the aisles, from pantry products to frozen foods to delicious dairy and more. Your family will love it, guaranteed, or your money back. Shop Cub and save today. My Cub, my way. See store for details. The Golden Gopher men's basketball team will host IUPUI tonight at Williams Arena at 7 o'clock. Minnesota head coach Ben Johnson gives us a scouting report on the visiting Jaguars. You know, interesting team. Um, You know, they've had spurts where they played really well. I think the one thing that's going to be a little bit of a unique challenge for us is their defense. You know, they'll they'll play multiple defenses even in in one possession. They'll play man, they'll play zone, uh, but then they'll kind of morph and and play both. They'll show a 1-3-1 and then all of a sudden after two or three passes go to a matchup or they'll just play straight matchups. So I think the the key and the challenge for us will be, you know, not to get confused with their with their matching defenses and be able to still be aggressive and, and run our stuff, whether it's man or zone, and play on the attack. Again, this is a team that like all these games they're gonna come in, it's their Super Bowl. And it's our mentality of, you know, how do we approach it from our standpoint and and are we hungry to continue to develop and get better as a team. That's head coach Ben Johnson, whose team is seven and three. The visiting Jags are three and seven. There are tickets available for tonight's game at gophersports.com. Meanwhile, the Golden Gopher women's basketball team has a morning game tomorrow, hosting Grambling State at 11 a.m. at the barn. For more info on all things Gopher basketball, you can go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. AM 610, KDAL, News, Weather, Sports. 1034. Some clouds outside, windy this morning. Bit of a warm-up on the way, just in time for the latter part of the week, into the weekend. Not going to complain about that, but looking more and more like a brown Christmas for those of us here in the Twin Ports. UMD Athletic Director Forrest Carr is in. We talk Bulldog Sports. After the news at 10.35 on KDAL. This card, certainly not this early, but guess what? Guess who's got the Subaru Impreza? Me. Guess who's got all the money? Me. Guess who's got a winning personality? Me. What do you have? You have a nice hairline. Fine. You have a strong jaw. Fine. But I got to tell you something, mister. Your personality needs some work. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.39. Sun peeking through here downtown. Tomorrow, UMV men's hockey head coach Scott Sandlin. Get a midseason review from him. 
As the Bulldogs go on break here for a couple of weeks, next broadcast of UMV Men's Hockey, Thursday, December 28th from Milwaukee in the Quick Trip Holiday Faceoff, 3.30 pregame versus Northeastern. In studio now, Athletic Director at UMV is Forrest Carr. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Everything uh, getting ready for the holidays? Yep, you bet. Yeah, we have just a few events left uh, for the first semester. Is it just me, or is this just fly by every year? It doesn't matter what's. It does not matter what's happening. Who's winning? It flies by. Yeah, I'm always surprised when you get to that final exam week and you realize, you know, it's been a 15 week stretch of academics for the the student athletes, and it culminates right now. So before we get into the the fun and games, uh, another. A tragic loss affecting the university a few weeks ago with the passing of Reed Ryan. I know somebody you've gotten a chance to know, and uh, somebody who only spent a year at UMD. But but you could just watching Kurt Weezy's press conference after this happened. You you could just tell that this young man made a lasting impact on this program. Yeah, and this is a hard one, you know, to talk about. But yeah, I. I I think you know. I'd encourage people if if they have an opportunity to to read a, a, just a, a beautiful and, and moving um, tribute honoring Reed's legacy in today's uh, Duluth News Tribune. And I'd like to specifically thank the writer, a new writer there, Jake Petarski, and the editor Brandon Viol. I, <clears throat> I think the the story really captures um, you know that that Reed was uh, much more than a football player. You know, it talks about his. Uh, his online store that he started, um, his faith, his wrestling career, his academics, his family. Um, and I, I was just so appreciative. I, I read that several times today. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, just, Reed was everything that we could hope for in a student athlete, just a kind, caring person, uh, a great student, uh, outstanding athlete, had a positive impact on others. Um, you know, I just just can't say enough about him, and it it goes way back to I. My sister's been close with Reed's family for a long time, and even even when Reed was in high school, um, you know, when my my nephew started playing lacrosse, Reed was the first person to give him a Christmas tree ornament with a lacrosse player, and just always been a, a a great young man. So really difficult. Very sorry for that, and and you know, it just I. I looking from a distance it it just encapsulates the things that are so important that 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 you guys supported these student athletes and uh the everyone's going through a little different way we saw it with adam johnson as well there were there were guys in the men's hockey team that were close with adam and there were guys that didn't know him at all and you know the way that that you as a university have helped lift up those that needed to be lifted up it, it it's just it's outstanding i know kurt was appreciative of that response and I think a lot of us are. It, it's it, it's you hate to see it, but the the way you guys responded first class, I, I got to think everyone's is appreciative of that. Oh, thank thanks for saying that, Bruce. And you know, now we just want to make sure we're thinking about ways to celebrate Reed's you know impactful life and and uh, make sure that we're part of of uh, him being remembered far and wide for generations and we've got a lot of ideas for that and, and, and going to be working with Reed's parents um, Aaron and stuff uh, to make some of those things happen but um, thank you though. Uh, UMD Athletic Director Forrest Carr in studio never easy to transition to, to fun things but we'll do that here and 
Uh, you mentioned the first half is wrapping up here. So some basketball left, and, and that's about it really until the Christmas holiday and, and really for the most part the rest of the year. Uh, women's hockey's off till January. Men's hockey's off till the very end of December. Your your thoughts here on the first half? And you know, Football had a good year. Volleyball getting back to the NCAA tournament. Cross-country teams both had good seasons as well. And, and now we got the winter sports going. Yeah, I think as I reflect on the, the fall, I think, um, you know, it's a, the ones that maybe stand out to me a little bit, uh, men's cross-country running, uh, finishing second at the uh, NSIC championships. That was a, a, a great event for them. Um, I think women's basketball uh, right now in the season, uh, the way they're playing and uh, some of the, the players have uh, improved, even, even from last year, even from last year's great team. There, there are some that had a more limited role last year that are really stepping up, and uh, they've been fun to watch. And uh, Yeah, we're just looking forward to a, a great uh, second semester. And, and, you know, obviously a lot to, to be accomplished yet for those teams as they get ready for the second half of the year. But I do want to touch on a couple. Women's hockey, I you know, nine newcomers, two new coaches on the staff for us, and here they are, you know, right right in the mix for home ice in a very competitive league, and they're sixth right now in the pairwise in good position to get back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, when I looked at the, the men's and women's hockey schedules for this year when I first started last year, and I was kind of looking forward – I thought, boy, I don't think it's possible to play a more challenging schedule on on, on either side right. for the men's team or, or the women's team. You know, the the women have, have played against Colgate, who's one of the top teams in the country. They're going to be playing against Quinnipiac non-conference. Um, obviously, the WCHA schedule is a grind, and then with the men playing Cornell and, and Minnesota and uh, and their difficult non-conference schedule with uh, with Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 been something to watch. I, I think it shows that our, our coaches are, are certainly willing to compete against anyone. And uh, you know, these are these are uh, still young teams, and they're learning. Uh, I think on the women's side, probably the the goaltending is is not not a surprise for people that that knew about um, uh, Haley and Ev, but um, but for those that maybe didn't know. Um, they they are they are both outstanding and uh, and uh, the team's doing well. You were a goalie. What did you think when you saw Ben Steve score a one-handed shootout goal on Friday night in Oxford? Um, I watched that about ten times, uh, <laughs> and I and I still it defies physics to me. I didn't I didn't think that was possible to have somebody have uh, the top hand of their stick and the stick extended as far as he does and still lift the puck. It, I think the goalie uh, in the game was was probably as surprised as I am, and uh, that's going to make goalies have to think a little bit that that's now possible yeah i was gonna that, we're, talk, we're talking off the air because you didn't have to deal with shootouts when you played now nope. it, it's got it's just got to be a complete mind deal for these goaltenders because as a guy comes out you know we, we've seen guys that had one move and they would do that one move and they would do it so well that the goalie couldn't stop it and you know if he missed the net or hit the post that'd be the only chance he would do him not scoring in this case, though, Ben Steves, I think, has scored three times in the four shootouts that they've had this year, and each one's been a different move of some description. For a goaltender, how difficult is that? Yeah, that's what surprised me. Why Our team's been in a number of shootouts, including in those non-conference games yeah. at the beginning of the year, and uh, the creativity uh, that the student-athletes have is, is just remarkable. I, in the past, it was always somebody had their one move that they had, had kind of perfected, but... Boy, they're, they're just 
they're incredible to watch and uh it's it's fun you know i I know that when we first voted that in um sort of nationally that um you know there was a little bit of of concern about about the pressure of it and 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 different things especially in the the smaller uh, more limited schedule that we play compared to professional hockey but you know it's entertaining for the fans and and i i think you know even the goalies really uh, thrive and take pride in and uh, stopping those shots and it, it seems to even out in the end so I think it's been a good thing for the game a couple more for AD Forrest Carr I think you just hit something there because we were I was talking to somebody I think on the Ohio trip we were talking about the shootout and I said here's the thing with with the three on three overtime and the shootout back in the day when overtime was five on five for five minutes and then the game could end in a tie and we just go home overtime would start people would leave like people in the crowd would get up and leave. Okay, we're not going to see anything else happen tonight because you because you knew more often than not those two teams are content to play for a tie. Now nobody leaves when overtime starts, and nobody leaves when the shootout starts because they love three on three overtime and they love shootouts. Coaches don't, but the fans certainly do. Yeah, yeah. The the only one thing you miss a little bit is is some some people would say there's no such thing as a good tie, but there were times when yeah. you were. Maybe you were being outshot, and you, you scored a goal right at the end of the game to tie it up, and you came away with a tie on that night, and you felt good on the bus going home. Um, you know, now it's a little bit more um, unpredictable when you get into that to that three-on-three. But um, like you said, there there are so many positives, and and hey, we're trying to prepare um, the young people from from moving on uh, potentially to play professional hockey, and and that's what they're doing at that level. So there's no no better way to develop than to be doing it in college as well. Uh, when we come back off break, our next hockey home games January 12th, and we'll talk more about Sophie Squad. I think you're here that week, and we can discuss them. But that is a Sophie Squad Day at Amsoil. Want to kind of point that out now and get it on people's minds. January 12th, uh, women at three, men at seven at Amsoil, and uh, Sophie Squad will be there for both those games. And uh, you can get more details when the time comes at umdbulldogs.com. Do we need to leave anything for the people? Uh, no, just for anyone who's interested in going to the Quick Trap. Quick Trip Holiday Faceoff in, in Milwaukee, uh, December 28 and 29. They can go online to the men's hockey schedule. So umdbulldogs.com, men's hockey schedule, and there's a link to get tickets if people are interested. Very good. I will be there and looking forward to some donuts in the press box. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. We'll see you there. Happy holidays, Forrest. Appreciate your time as always. YouTubers. Thank All you. right. Forrest Carr, Athletic Director at UMD, joins us the second Monday of every month. But since I wasn't here yesterday, kind enough to stop in today. Uh, so we're next up with Forrest on Monday, January the 8th. And uh, looking forward to the second half of the Bulldog Athletic season. 10.50. Ryan Phelps standing by for the prep update. We're brought to you every weekday by Sanju. Sanju Polaris. Sanju.com. Where the cars are. Bruce Siski Show, Tuesday morning edition, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. 10.59 as the sun tries to prevail here downtown Duluth. Nice to see it again. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow and joined by UMV men's hockey head coach Scott Sandlin. We'll get a kind of mid-season look-see at the Bulldogs from the head coach and update uh, some things going into the second half of the year, which begins in Milwaukee on December 28th. So Scott Sandlin with us off the top of the radio show tomorrow. Brad Bennett's up next to sound off after CBS News. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks for listening. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.
No, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFF, and 610 KDAL Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.